0: So we are in this series where we are following Jesus along in the Gospels. And as as Al was speaking and and, and praying and he kept encouraging us to seek the kingdom of God, I kept thinking and going back to the scripture where it says to ask and then to seek and then to knock. And the, the, the words that are used there, the tense, is literally to continue. So to continually ask and to continually to seek and to continually knock, which then makes me think about Al's point, which is, Do we continually seek after the kingdom of God? I mean, think about how you have approached Easter this Lent. And would you say that you are seeking after the kingdom of God during Lent? And then if you say, I'm seeking after the kingdom of God, then what are you doing to bring about this kingdom? What are you doing to make sure that... This earth looks more like heaven. What are we doing to to make sure that people who feel hopeless learn that there is something to be hopeful in? And so what we see Jesus do throughout the Gospels and what we've been watching him do is disrupt each and every time that we see him gathering around the table, he disrupts the table. I want you to think about this. I encouraged you last week. Today's Palm Sunday. And I said, I didn't want you to come in today and hear a Palm Sunday message. I wanted to talk to you about it last week because I wanted you to study. I wanted you to read about Palm Sunday. You're going to seek the kingdom of God. Challenge yourself. Did I read about Palm Sunday this week? And what he did on Palm Sunday was he, he changed everything for the disciples. Just like he did for the sinful woman when we heard about him at the table When she walked in, just like he did to the crowds when they saw the multitudes be fed. Just like he did when the Pharisees learned that the people who were sick and lame were invited to the table. Not just the righteous. Constantly we see Jesus disrupting. And that's what we're going to see again today. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to open up to Luke chapter 24. And I know that next week is Easter, but we're going to look at a story that occurs after Easter. And so Luke chapter 24, we see, after he has been resurrected, we see Luke tell us this in verse 20, chapter 24, starting in verse 13. It says, on that same day, meaning the same day as the resurrection. On that same day, two disciples were traveling to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. While they were discussing these things, Jesus himself arrived and joined them on their journey. They were prevented from recognizing him. And then if you jump down to verse 28, when they came to Emmaus, he, meaning Jesus, he acted as if he was going on ahead. But they urged him, saying, stay with us. It's nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. After he took his seat at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They got up right then and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying to each other, The Lord really has risen. He appeared to Simon. Then the two disciples described what had happened along the road and how Jesus was made known to them, as he broke the bread this is the word of god for us the people of god thanks be to god amen so we sit here as al has been talking about all morning long we sit here a year from initially the beginning of the pandemic and my argument would be to you as we approach easter next week that we need more we need easter more this year than ever before ever before last year a year from a, a year ago we were sitting y'all were sitting at home a couple of us were here but essentially we were all on pause right everybody was on pause except for healthcare workers and uh, essential workers that were going into the grocery stores they they were literally going towards the virus we all kind of took a pause in life and now a year later some of us are coming off of pause some are still too nervous to come out and that's understandable in certain circumstances some of us our life is beginning to come off of pause but we don't really even know how to move forward with that how do how how do we begin to get back to whatever life is going to look like and we're fearful of what that may bring And so we are still overwhelmed. In group meetings, I hear people, and you've probably in those, you can hear words about isolation. You can hear words that seem to indicate depression. Over and over again, we see these signs and symptoms. And then as Al said just a second ago, and then this week, in the last 10 days, we've had three mass shootings. Think about how many we we haven't heard about that during the pandemic. And so now we begin to hear of life unfortunately returning to normal in that regard and so we are overwhelmed we are uncertain we're fearful i don't know but i don't think that i'm the only one who recognizes that right i mean do y'all see that in us that we i mean even just when we think about being here today smaller numbers than we used to have we're careful we're cautious Let me remind you, Easter, what we're fixing to walk through, Easter, fundamentally is a message of hope. Did y'all hear that? Easter, fundamentally, is a message of hope. Christ triumphs over the grave. Love wins over hate. Light overcomes darkness. Life overcomes death. That's the message of hope. That's the message of Easter. You can't get more hope than that. Now, Easter begins earlier in the week. Thursday, last week, we talked about the meal that Jesus had with his disciples. When that meal ends, Jesus and his, to some of his disciples make their way to the Garden of Gethsemane where he prays the prayer, not my will but your will be done. And then Judas, Judas shows up escorting some guards and they arrest Jesus and they take him before the Sanhedrin and the Sanhedrin are upset with Jesus because one, he upset the money, he turned out the money changers which upset the economic system and the power system, but he also called them out for their hypocrisy so they were upset with Jesus. He was kind of unorthodox in the way that he did ministry and some of the things that he was doing and so the Sanhedrin was upset. So they were angry with him and if you know the story, they convicted him They tortured him, hung him on a cross, and then left him to slowly, slowly die. That story all happens before Sunday. And so as he breathes his last breath, they take him down and they put him in a tomb. And again, if you know the story, they rolled the stone in front of the tomb, right? Have you ever thought about that moment When the stone clicks in place. What did the people think in that moment? I saw somebody, I think it was Remy, Isaac Mwakmatanda's daughter. I saw that she posted a picture of the casket when they rolled Isaac out. And she said, it was in this moment that I realized I would never see him again. Sometimes that happens when the casket is closed. Sometimes it's at the graveside when you see the dirt. This was the disciples' mindset when that tomb emptied. I mean, when that tomb, the rock rolled in front of the tomb. The disciples were terrified. They first, they were afraid that they were going to be the next ones. But they were also terrified that everything that they had hoped for, everything that they had dreamed of, was gone. It's over. And so, in that moment, all of their hope became hopeless. That's the emotion that they feel. And so, the women on Sunday morning go to the tomb, they're just going to prepare. body to finish up doing what they were supposed to have done earlier they didn't have time to do they get there and the the, the stone is rolled away they go inside Jesus's body isn't there and all of a sudden two men dressed in white show up and they say to them words that you probably hear every Easter listen to what it says in Luke 24 verse 5 why do you look for the living among the dead he isn't here but has been raised. That's the Easter proclamation. And so these women, they run back to the disciples. They tell the disciples what they've seen, that Jesus isn't there, and that men told them that he'd been raised from the dead. The disciples think that they've gone crazy. If you go back and read the original language, it literally, they think that they have lost their mind because of grief. And so Peter, John, they make their way to the grave. They go. And they go in and they see that Jesus isn't there. And they don't know what to make of it either. And I love that part of the story because here's the truth. A lot of people who are unchurched, and this may be your story as well, a lot of people who are unchurched, they like, they like the message of Jesus. And they even like what Jesus calls us to do. But they struggle with the uh, supernatural. The resurrection being some of the most supernatural. They struggle with the supernatural. And and so if that's you or if that's somebody you meet, you need to tell them, hey, look, go read the Bible. The disciples in this moment are struggling with the supernatural. They've never seen resurrection. They don't know what to believe. And so in this moment, they don't believe in resurrection yet. That's what we see at this moment. And so two of the disciples, two of the larger group, they began to make their way back to their home. Emmaus, seven miles would be about a two-hour walk. And that's the story that we're reading today. Look again, if you've got your Bibles, and you can leave it open to Luke 24, look at verses 14 through 16. They were, walking to each other, they were talking to each other about everything that had happened. While they were discussing these things, Jesus himself arrived and joined them on their journey. They were prevented from recognizing him. Why did Jesus show up as a stranger? Why why did he show up? Jesus, I mean, Jesus could do whatever Jesus wanted to do. Jesus could have shown up and been very recognizable to everyone who was there, both of the people who were walking. He could have said, look, it's me. I'm here. You see me? We still would be celebrating resurrection, right? Right? We still would be amazed that he had been raised from the dead. Why is he a stranger? Ask yourself that question. And then as the story goes, he begins to ask them questions. Look at what it says in verse 17. He said to them, what are you talking about as you walk along? And then Luke says that they, meaning the two disciples, they stopped their faces downcast. One commentator wrote that, Their face was contorted with grief. Can you imagine the pain that they were in in this moment, having lost all of their hopes, all of their dreams, all of it was in that grave when the stone was rolled away. They didn't know what had happened. And they're like, you must be the only person who doesn't know what happened in Jerusalem. Do you not know about all the things that have happened? And Jesus asked another question. What things That's all he says. What things? The things about Jesus of Nazareth. And they began to talk about their hopes and their dreams and that the fact that they had hoped for a Messiah. They had hoped from a prophet of God. They had hoped that somebody was going to come and save Israel and deliver the people of Israel. But yet he had been arrested and put in a grave and all of it was gone. And so then Jesus asked another question. Wasn't it necessary for the Christ to suffer these things? And then enter into his glory I mean I I read the scriptures and I, I sit there and I think why 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 does all he do is ask questions you know I mean why did he show up as a stranger and why does he just ask questions why not give them the answer I think about our kids and if you've had kids grandkids a niece a nephew You ever read to a child, you'll know this story, but when our kids were both learning to read, they would come across a word they didn't know. My tendency was always just tell them the word. I mean, just tell them how to say it. Claire, I tell y'all, she's always the smarter one in the two. She would say, no, let them sound it out. Let them figure it out for themselves. Let them kind of figure out the answer—that's—that's that's what we're seeing Jesus do. Learning through asking the question yourself. He doesn't want to just give them the answer. He wants them to discover the answer. He wants them to know the answer. He wants them to believe the answer. And so Jesus begins to walk them through the Hebrew Scriptures and tell them how the Messiah, from the beginning, was supposed to suffer. And so as they approach Emmaus, Jesus, remember, he's a stranger. Jesus, as a stranger, just keeps walking. He keeps walking and acts as if he is moving on. And then look what it says in verse 29. But they urged him, saying, stay with us. It's nearly evening, and the day is almost over. Why did he keep walking? Do y'all remember what Jesus taught about strangers? He said you're to welcome them. Jesus says in the kingdom of God, we're going to seek the kingdom of God. Jesus says in the kingdom of God, you show them hospitality. If we're going to seek the kingdom of God, it says in the kingdom of God, that you're supposed to share the things that you have with strangers. Jesus, if you remember the story when he separates the sheep and the goats, he says here's how you're going to know at the very end of time. Here's how you're going to know is he's going to say, When did you feed the stranger? When did you welcome the stranger? When did you clothe the stranger? And they're going to say, well, when did we clothe you? And he's going to say, when you did that for the stranger, you did it for me. And when you didn't, you didn't do it for me. And so as he began to walk off, I think he was trying to push the disciples. Did you hear anything I had to say about the kingdom of God? And what did they do? They invited him in. They welcomed him. And Jesus agrees to go in and eat with them. I'm challenged by this part of the text because I wonder how many times we miss out because we don't welcome the stranger. How many times we miss out because we don't invite the stranger in. We don't do the things that are necessary in order to make the stranger feel welcome. We give you a couple of examples soccer do y'all realize we have 209 kids signed up for soccer that's yeah that's a that's cool i was telling barbara witten earlier this morning i'm like that's a really cool thing 209 kids 209 that's, that's families probably not 209 families because some have multiple kids but 150 160 families that are that are coming back into to, to doing ministry he needs three coaches for six and under. Now, you don't have to be a soccer pro. I sit, I, in my head this morning, I thought of Pele, and I'm like, he, he's, Pele was soccer like 50 years ago. Uh, so I, who, I don't know who the current person is for soccer, but, but you don't have to be them. You just have to be somebody who loves a kid, who loves kids and will go out there. And, you know, he, the truth is when you're six years old, you let them have fun and give them a snack at the end of the game, they're happy. That's all, yeah, that's all you had to do. He needs three people who will go and be a soccer coach for six and unders. Are we just going to let Jesus pass on by? See, the tendency is for every single one of us to think, well, the other people in the room is who Andy's talking to right now. It's the people that are in the sanctuary or it's the people online. Who's going to welcome the stranger? Ayanna, building Kids City. We had hoped today to have nursery. Both of the people who were scheduled to be nursery called and said, You know what? I can't do it. So now we have kids that are here and we don't have a nursery for them. We're going to welcome the stranger? We're going to let Jesus pass on by. In the kingdom of God, if we're going to seek the kingdom of God, then we got to do the things that we have to do in order to welcome Jesus in. But don't feel like I'm just like beating you up today. I'm trying to get you to things. There's more to just saying I'm going to seek the kingdom of God than just seeking. We welcome Jesus in, and look what happens. In verse 30, after he took his seat at the table with them, he took the bread... He blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Sound familiar? In almost every story that we've looked at, when Jesus sits around the table, some part of this we have seen Jesus do break the bread, bless it, give it to people. It's the words that we use in our liturgy for communion. He blessed the bread, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples. And look at what it says in verse 30 as it finishes. Jesus said, "I mean, Luke says, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. But he disappeared from their sight. He goes on to say later in the text that he summarizes it by saying that Jesus was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. They understood in that moment that Jesus was with them. See, when we celebrate communion... We are not just remembering what Christ did. We're not just remembering that Christ made a sacrifice for us. We're experiencing Christ. The spiritual presence of Christ is offered to us in this moment. I love what happens in the story. If you keep reading what happens after they break the bread. Because here are disciples who have lost hope. These are disciples whose faces are contorted with grief. They are speechless. They are motionless. But as they sat around the table and Jesus broke the bread, they visibly saw light overcome darkness. They visibly saw Christ's presence. The reason that I say that this could be the most important Easter that we've ever had is simply because God's answer to the world right now, God's answer to you and to me, to the pain that we're experiencing, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's God's answer. God says, I am with you. God says, I will never leave you. God says, I will never forsake you. God says, no matter what you're going through, If you will trust, if you will put your life into my hands, it will be okay. That all the things that you see, the violence, the sickness, death, illness, none of that has the last word in a world where Christ has been resurrected from the dead. That is the hope that we get in resurrection. And we celebrate that. We celebrate the spiritual presence of Christ with us in this moment as we celebrate communion. Resurrection's what makes that possible. For us, we we typically really love I me mean, love Christmas. Um, y'all know my joke about baby Jesus. We love baby Jesus, um, but but the reality is, as Christians, Easter is what defines our story—the resurrection of Jesus. I love what one pastor wrote. He said that it's so easy for the church to to be on the wrong side of Easter. And I want you to hear his quote. Too often in our churches, we are like the groping, fumbling disciples between Good Friday and the resurrection. How our congregations would worship. How our congregations would worship And with what joy and eagerness and abandon the sacrifice of praise would be. And how it would rise to God if all worshipers knew the very truth that they were sons and daughters of the resurrection. How it would be different if we actually lived that out. What confidence we have, what boldness we would have, what joy we would be. The Apostle Paul says it this way and it's what I would say is resurrection eyes listen to what he says God is so rich in mercy he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins he gave us light when he raised Christ from the dead for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus that's my prayer for you as we walk through this next week Monday, Thursday, Good Friday and then we're going to gather again whether online or in person, we're going to gather for Easter that we all have resurrection eyes. You're going to get out of Easter what you put into it. Some of you may have already made the decision, you know what, I accepted Christ, I don't have anything else I've got to learn, I'm just kind of Going through the motions, allow Christ to open your eyes, disrupt your life, show you something new. Allow Christ to be visible, spiritually present with you, because that's what gives us hope. Amen? Let's pray. Almighty God, Lord, we thank you that you are a God who continues to speak into our lives, that you are a God who continues to show us things that that are new. I pray, Lord, for each and every person, whether we're in this sanctuary or whether we are online, I pray, Lord, that we are not settling, that we truly are seeking after your kingdom. And in your kingdom, you are calling us to welcome the strangers, to reach out to those who are hungry. So help us not to just settle and be here for ourselves. And help us to know, God, that as we celebrate communion today, it's not simply just a remembrance It is an opportunity to encounter you fully in this moment. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.